These are words spoken by, or written actually, by Dylan Roof, the shooter in Charleston at the church. I chose Charleston because it is most historic city in my state, and at one time had the highest ratio of blacks to whites in the country. We have no skinheads, no real KKK, no one doing anything but talking on the internet. Well, someone has to have the bravery to take it to the real world, and I guess that has to be me. Niggers are stupid and violent. Apparently the kid has no sense of irony, considering what he did was so stupid and violent. And speaking of stupid and violent, how about that Charles Cotton, the NRA board member? who blamed Pickney, the pastor, his own death because he opposed open carry rules. Stupid and violent. Recently, in Hudson, Florida, a 13-year-old shot his 6-year-old brother, which was originally thought that it was over food. Stupid and violent. But that's not really what's important. What's important is I wanted to ask NRA people if the appropriate solution to an older brother shooting a younger brother would have been to make sure that the six-year-old was also armed. What happens when you try to reason somebody that's got a, not only an alternate narrative that leaves out pertinent facts in its decision-making, but then they actually have a media outlet which reinforces their ignorance. Uh, come on, South Carolina. They're the ones that during the uh, breakup of the United States at the beginning of the Civil War, they made this direct statement that said that it was slavery and states' rights, ironically enough. They were angry with the federal government for not forcing northern states to enforce the Fugitive Slave Act. People found creative ways not to return runaway slaves, and they thought the Fed should be more vigorous in enforcing that law. I was leading them to join the Confederacy. There's a white guy in a black church, shoots him up, and somehow, somewhere, Fox News find a black Republican, I'm guessing, pastor to say that it may not have been about their race because there's a war on Christianity. Christians do seem to have this thing about persecution. But I hate to say it, but it appears that the reason why this is able to expand as it has is because people didn't take the war on Christmas seriously enough. Once they found out they can use that kind of idiot logic and persuade a large percentage of the populace, they're going to do it. Reinforce their cocoon-like myopia, their willful ignorance. Bill Maxwell, a columnist for the St. Pete Times, a black guy, it's pertinent that I mention that, 
said a long time ago, and I remember it. And he said, all I have to do if I want to become a millionaire is start spouting the conservative agenda. If you come across as an intelligent black man and you speak the conservative lingo, you will be taken care of for the rest of your life. Well compensated. It reminds me of when NPR correspondent Juan Williams got in trouble for some comments he made about Muslims and then left NPR to go to work for Fox and they gave him a $2 million contract. Just like Bill said. That's kind of how I'm thinking about that pastor. I mean, he'll get his support from white Christians. Although I don't know how it'll go over in the black community with that kind of idiot logic. The kind of logic that says the solution to mass shooting is more guns is the same kind that says that the answer to environmental degradation due to industry and technology is more technology and industry. Violence in the Middle East? Let's just send over more arms and do some more violence. But probably more importantly, you'll get support from the NRA. Because not only did he want to say that the shooting may have been anti-Christian, he also said that it's a pastor's duty to arm himself to protect his flock, which sounds an awful lot like the NRA guy. Apparently forgetting Jesus' recommendation that people turn the other cheek. Maybe he was just forgetful. To blame the pastor that got shot because he opposed concealed carry. <sighs> well, first of all, I'm pastor of the Call Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. But I have to tell you, I'm deeply concerned that this government chose to go into a church. Uh, we're urging people to jump to conclusions.
that this is the start of a conversation and we should keep going. If that's the topic sentence of your paragraph you're writing, well, well, where is the rest of it? But if I was in a bad mood, as I have been increasingly of late, I might tell them that they're delusional or that they're refusing to look in the mirror or that they can't bring themselves to acknowledge what would probably be very painful for them to acknowledge, which is that by flying that flag, they are perpetuating the sense of rage and despair that leads a young man to walk into a church with a gun and shoot nine people. If you celebrate the hoisting of a battle flag in front of your state's capital, and you have roads all over your state that are named after Confederate generals, and you celebrate this 19th century past, it should surprise absolutely no one when people pick up on this and imagine that the South is still at war with the North over whether blacks deserve rights and representation, or even life. So Roberto asks Matthew, you've talked about how we live in this weird moment when there are competing representations of the truth. Matthew Gutro responds by saying, I think that it's a huge part of this problem. It's often the case in journalism, especially broadcast journalism, to, to present both sides of an issue. Side comment. There's often more than two sides. An issue. And then leave them in this unresolved tension. The thought is that by doing so, what one has set up is kind of a fair portrayal of the debate. One that encourages people to become more informed and then choose sides. But that's not actually how history works. There are always multiple views to tell a story because all the ways aren't equally valid or truthful. Anyone should be able to pick up a historic text, sift through the evidence themselves, and then come to the unshakable conclusion that the battle flag's presence in contemporary American culture is a consequence of lingering commitments to racial prejudice. The reason we give equal credence to both sides of a story that only really has one true side has so much to do with the last couple decades of media journalism and the rising conservative critique of a liberal education and critical thinking. Critical thinking? Fox News would go out of business if Americans were critical thinkers. It's about the emergence of Fox News and alternate spaces that demonize or reject conventional histories of things. You also have this war on history standards and textbooks, which is another conversation entirely. But just consider that in Texas, many history books are draped in nostalgia for a regrettable period in our country's past. You can imagine what that does to the psyche of the people who grow up in a system like that. So essentially, what Matthew Gutel is saying is that Texas's education system is twisting their young people, divorcing them from the truth, and encouraging racial hatred.
did I hear that they wanted to secede from uh, the United States? I'm almost in favor of that, for Connor. I recommend that we drag Texas into the 21st century rather than the 19th century, where they, at least a portion of their population seems to wish to dwell. Lots happened since I started this podcast, including now the removal or the proposed removal of the Confederate battle flag from a number of different uh, state capitals. And that, that flag had disappeared pretty much after the Civil War, and it didn't come back until the 40s, and it didn't go back up on South Carolina, I believe, until like 1960. And it was a reaction to the Voting Rights Act. So, um, or at, at least the effort to access voting rights. I did a little more research, and it does appear, at least as far as uh, 2014 Nielsen ratings, that the average Fox viewer is 68 years old. Because I really do believe that a lot of these ideas are just going to have to die out. Unfortunately, those people 68 years old grew up before Ronald Reagan's treatment of the economy could take full effect and lower the living standards for the majority of Americans. So they probably have more money for the Fox advertisers. They're dying off. Now, if we could just do something about these guns getting in the hands of these unstable people. But that'll be another podcast, I suspect. Well, thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. I really do. 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 I really do.